This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. I am so excited to introduce you to the guest today. Have you ever been in a meeting and it's one of those meetings and you're not really sure what's going on? Like you're paying attention, but you're like, why are we even talking about this? And you look up from the table and then you see this guest and he's looking back at you and he's thinking the same thing. He's like, what are we doing here? Right? This guy is awesome. He is a serial entrepreneur. He's an innovator. He's a disruptor. He sees the forest from the trees and the trees from the forest. He's a business coach, a one-wheel enthusiast, uh, EO Boston Learning Chair, which is a challenge for sure, but he's pulling out some amazing events. Business coach and chief visionary of Self-Assembled Ventures, Glenn Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Casey. I'm glad to be here. Man, you know, we just had to move mountains to line up our schedules to make this thing happen, but we did. It was a duel of calendar appointments. Yes. Yeah. yes. We came out victorious. Yes, it's like you have two Calendly accounts talk to each other, and then they go on this infinite loop where no one can ever find the right time. But we're here. So I want to start this with a bang. I want to ask you, what is a common misconception, a misconception, a myth, a bogus strategy, or just some kind of errant thinking around leadership or being an entrepreneur and running a business? Yeah, so I've recently gotten very much into exit planning and selling your business. So the big nice. myth that I've been smashing is that uh, you have to do an earnout when you sell your business. So okay. uh, you yeah. know, talk to us about what earnouts are and then yeah. why you don't actually have to do that. Yeah. So uh, earnouts are when you sell your business, you you know, you you get paid for your business, right? Somebody buys it for a certain amount of cha -ching. money. Yeah. Cha-ching, cashola. Uh, an earnout is when part of that money, or sometimes worst case scenario, all of that money is uh, subject to some milestones being hit and you having to work there for on an average of one to three years, usually in the three years area. So, you know, you get some of your money, but then you are working in that business. Uh, and if you're an entrepreneur, um, you now have a boss. You're not in charge of things. They get to call the shots and usually have to hit numbers typically related to sales. Mm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes the, the, the winds of change are blowing and, and, and things just happen in, in the world like now. Uh, and other times the, the new owner, they, their company, they think that they have a better plan for how it should be run. And if they are wrong, uh, you know, you have to deal with that and you might not be able to hit your numbers because of some decision somebody else made. Man. So what kind of percentages have you seen or typically get asked for, right? You know, you're selling something, you, is you get like 80% cash or options and then 20% buyer. Are you, were you seeing higher numbers than that? So uh, it really depends on your business. I've seen okay. them all over the place. Usually buyers are, you know, you know, fairly savvy. You're not going to do it if 100% of your, 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 your payout is uh, at risk. Oh, God. Typically, so they give you something, but sometimes it's been 100. You know, if, you're, if your business is in real distress and you're really just trying to get out from under it, it could be 100% earn out. Um, there are other scenarios. I would say, you know, in the, the 40 to 50% range. Um, it all depends on your the deal that you structure. Sometimes you can get a larger total amount if you put more on the table with an earnout. You get a less total amount if you are more insistent of getting all cash up front. What you take? But, do these things just majorly suck, or is there some valid points to them? Uh, I, I, basically, I think they majorly suck for the yeah, most part. They, you said I, have I mean, a boss, and I just was like, oh, dear no, God. I'm, uh, I'm very much the anti earnout guy. Okay. Uh, you know, I could see how it'd be hard to say it sucks if somebody bought your business for uh, $30 million, gave you $20 million, and said, you know, you got to work to get that extra 10 I don't see how that's a sucky scenario for anybody. Yeah, not bad, right? That's <laughs> not bad, you know? Um, usually the numbers, you know, in small business are, are, are not that grand um, and you're risking a lot. But yeah, really for me, you have a new boss. And uh, most of us didn't get to where we are and get into this game of entrepreneurship because we like people telling us what to do. Um, but there's different scenarios for different folks. Uh, and sometimes mm -hmm. an earnout can be a great extra cherry on top. Um, and I learned from, you know, other folks when I was going through the process of selling my business. Um, Basically, you want to be very happy with the number that you get on the day the deal closes and everything else, earn out, bonus potential, what have you, is all gravy on top. 
And if you're not happy with that number that you get on the day that you close, then you shouldn't take the deal mm. uh, or you should rethink the deal or, you know, really think about it hard, but don't basically try to put all that earn out stuff out of your head as it, it's never going to come. Because if your future, your retirement, your family, your livelihood depends on the earn out coming to fruition, that may not happen. Uh, and, you know, there are some shady folks out there who don't want you to get to earn out, right? Most buyers want you to stay in the business, perform. Everybody benefits from you hitting your numbers and win. But there are some folks out there that will now start to fudge the P&L and make some numbers look some different ways. And if you're near the end of your tenure there, they might not want to pay you everything. Uh, mm. And and then, it, of course, having a boss sucks. Right. And you said something really important, the idea of count what you got on the day that it closed and I, I could see very easily, I mean, I'm in marketing, I get it. A little bit of a window dressing. Yeah, we're going to give you $2 million, but there's $30 million up, up, you know, you can earn out. So really, it's like a $32 million deal. Man, not really, because that's not really guaranteed. It's like the... It's like, you know, we have a lot of the football players, you know, getting those new contracts lately. Well, you've got some guaranteed amounts and then they've got those. Well, if you happen to get the pass and you catch the TD, then you get the extra bonus, but you're not really in control who calls that play. So count the stuff that you get that day. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely focus on that. Cause a lot of us have, you know, if not all, most of our net worth wrapped up in our businesses, if we're business owners. So you know, depending on where you are in your 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 professional career, and you know, uh, you know, just age in life, right? Are you ready yeah. to to ride into the sunset? This, you know, you should be thinking, this is all I'm ever going to get. Um, you could also, you know, get two months into working on your earnout and be like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, yeah, maybe it's your decision, not theirs. But now it's like, oh yeah, you could be off into the sunset, but now you're kind of you're shackled to this thing um, for maybe longer than you really want to be. Yeah, th- I mean things change, right? I, I'm sure we've seen a lot of other, you know, friends and you know fellow entrepreneurs. You get that sale in, and your life changes. But you know, it's kind of it's kind of a bummer if a good chunk of it's now tied to something that you really don't have control over. And I think that it's a, a, the idea that you now have a boss means you maybe aren't making the final decisions. So again, you may not be the quarterback. You don't know if the ball is coming to you. You can, and, and so I'm sure there's ways you want to structure it so that. The earnout is tied as much as possible to actions you can take, but even then, like I, I could see how. Oof. Well, and that's just the money stuff. I mean, having a boss after that too, like yeah, talk about that. To, you might not be able to choose. You, uh, you know, do you, you might, have a boss like that, or how, what was it like for you? Um, for me, um, I actually positioned my company in in a way where um, I didn't have an earnout. I actually the reverse happened. They were obligated to employ me for three years, and you know. Everything's in a negotiation, but I like to right. say that those that was really kind of an offset for a four-year non-compete, right? So for me, it was like, hey, if I can't work in my industry, then you got to give me a job. <laughs> um, like that's that. sort of the deal. Otherwise, maybe we make that four years less. And, you know, so we made some commitments to each other and that worked out really well. And I was uh, very fortunate. I had a, a great boss um, in my arrangement. Um, but some folks, you know, you might not be able to like even choose when you can go on your own vacation, right? So that's a big a big lifestyle change if you've been your own boss and you get to choose when you go on vacation and maybe you want to go golfing one day or have a long right. weekend and now you can ask for permission. And if you're working for somebody who's, you know, not so accommodating, that could be a real big bummer. I mean, what's the point of fuck you money if you can't use it, right? <laughs> right, right. Seriously. Uh, and then that's how it begins, right? You get in a fight over a vacation and then you're like, I'm out of here. And then you they don't fire you. There goes that yeah. 9 million you're going to get. Yes. So yeah, earnouts not only are they, you know, complicated in the ways we spoke about, but then there's the whole lawyer stuff, right? If you got money on the table, then you're going to be arguing over this this detail and that detail for like two months. It's going to make your closing typically no go doubt. a lot longer because, well, you know, everything that involves lawyers takes longer. Oh, so, gosh. and that's an important thing, right? If you're doing an earnout, you want to make sure you got a good lawyer who's an M and A lawyer, a, a deal lawyer, not 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 uh, you know your friend who's a realtor that can do some paperwork. Um, <laughs> you know, that's maybe maybe if you're selling your business for you know fifty or hundred grand, that's that's cool because you don't want to pay uh, you know a high price for uh, a deal lawyer, but always get a good expensive lawyer. That's something I learned early on. Yeah. You know, what I found is, is you, you want a lawyer that isn't all that excited about your thing. Like your thing doesn't seem new to him or her. Right. So 
It's like, oh, we're looking to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, do it all the time, right? That kind of person, not not the lawyer who's like, ooh, wow, that seems complicated. Uh, that seems really hard. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, That'll take interesting. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. I've never, never. Uh, this will be a good one. You're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you want the guy who it's like it's like house, right? You want the guy who's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Seen that before. Cool. Let's get it done. Here's the paperwork. Let's go. You know, you yeah, he's seen you it know. all. He's been there. Yeah, you don't want a lot of excitement when it comes to lawyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a uh, not a good thing. Oh, this will make a great case study. Oh. <laughs> so what was that like that transition the idea you know selling your business you you had a little bit of that transition point where you're you're still employed by the company what was that like man talk to me about the feelings talk to me about what it was like did you have to reinvent yourself you know all the craziness you hear about when you sell yeah, your baby no i mean uh i had a good a good experience myself um you know not everybody does um, I would say one of the most interesting part was, you know, I was still, I was still rocking and rolling, right. I was all revved up and ready to go and, and go out there and crush it. And, um, you know, with the business, the situation where I sold my business, you know, they, I sold to private equity and, and the game plan really isn't necessarily for the founders to stick around. It can complicate things. We had three mm-hmm. companies coming together and then you get, you know, um, people that were my employees coming to me, chirping in my ear. And I'm like, Hey, I'm not in charge of that anymore. Like, Right. You know, like, sorry, like, you know, so um, for me, it was, it went well, but then, you know, we kind of passed the partners went out to pasture and uh, we, we were there and, and helped where we needed to and, and added where we, we should and where we could. Um, but then after that, you know, it's, uh, it can be pretty tough to get all wound back up again, right? You, you, yeah. you start to relax, right? You go from, from, from banging away at 150% all the time to having some downtime on cruise control, you know, at 50%, um, cause that's where they want you to be. And then, uh, you know, moving on to your next thing, you're like, Hmm, I don't know. You know, like my days of staying up till one, two in the morning, cranking out proposals are over. Like I'm not doing that ever again. Right. right. So then I started, you know, making deals with the devil and engineering my new business. I'm like, I have to start a business where that won't ever be the case because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm too old for this shit, as Danny Glover would say. Um, I'm just too old for this shit. Well, but it was fun you- while I was there, you know? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's 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 the chase, right? But did you... Did you take some like intentional vacation or breaks or were you almost like right back into the next thing after that? No. Um, so uh, I got some good advice from folks along the way. One are, uh, you know, EO Boston's very own Dave Will, uh, who had sold his company. Shout out to Dave. Yeah. Years, yeah. A few years before I was walking with him down the streets of, uh, of our Charleston at uh, EO Nerve. And uh, he said to me, he's like, Glenn, one thing I'll tell you is I jumped back in too soon. Mm. Um, and I really took that to heart. So, um, I took a, a, my plan was have a year of sabbatical, um, after I was done, uh, working full-time, uh, at the, at the firm that bought mine. Uh, and it was a few months in and then this weird little COVID thing happened. Oh God. So that put it kind of puts a damper on a sabbatical, you know, sabbatical, you generally think going to travel around the world or something. Right. Right. Not a lot of traveling to be had uh, during during the uh, pandemic here. You know, it's a little tough. Um, so I ended up starting my, my my new business right now, which is uh, business coaching. And but there's really kind of a stepping stone. I I, I really want to start a software company. Yeah. But, uh, but before you know, that's going to be all in, right? Like those are going to be yeah. those that that grind, right? And I was that's like, going to be grind little, for sure. I need a little space before I have you know staff to worry about and revenue that you need to and paychecks going out and money needing to come in and, and like, you know, products needing to, to work. And um, that gets a little bit more complicated. So in between here, I, you know, started business coaching and consulting. It's a lot easier to deliver, right? And trade in, trade in dollars for hours. It's mm-hmm. not super scalable, but I've been having a lot of fun talking about things that we've already been talking about with other entrepreneurs and kind of become like a, a student of the art of selling your business, if you will. So um, I thought it was a really interesting process. And when I was done with that, I really wanted to, you know, share with other business owners and entrepreneurs and EOers, uh, you know, my experiences and, you know, really try to have more friends that sell their business that I can hang out with and go one wheel and stuff. 
Absolutely. And we got to get to that one wheel in a second. I, <laughs> I, I can't go any further. Uh, we, we've talked about no need for an earnout. Do you have any other like go-to tips you want to share just off the bat when it comes to selling your business for those people that maybe are approaching that or even maybe we're trying to gear themselves toward that? Yeah. I mean, um, I have a ton of tips. I mean, the, the yeah, ones that just right throw now, them out, man, just like yeah. make it rain, make it rain tips. Um, you know, a, a, a buyer is buying your future stream of profits. That's really what a buyer is buying. So everything you can do to make them feel comfortable that that future stream of profits is going to keep flowing and isn't going to require you to keep flowing is what you want to do, right? So um, if you can come up with a reoccurring revenue model, right? That it sells itself, renews every month or every year, profits keep flowing, right? Uh, you definitely want to build a leadership team. You want to get yourself into a position of uselessness as, as much as you can. Uh, so you can show the new buyer, yeah, I'm here and I'm smart. And I know some of the big customer accounts and stuff, um, but the team runs the show. You're buying the team. So building a team, you can also sell with your company. You're not just selling your company, you're selling that team. Uh, and, ha- and building that team in a way where they're happy to go on to the next thing. And it is really kind of a career move for them as well. Um, but yeah, so having that team, Having you know reoccurring revenue, you know having high customer satisfaction, uh, and also having some data to prove it. You know uh, NPS is the gold standard in the market, but then you can show the buyer, hey, look, I've got happy customers, and they actually are really happy with the company. They're not married to Glenn or to Casey, uh, and they're going to stay. And and you know your streamer stream of revenue is going to keep flowing. Right. Um, but really, building that team is huge. Because while you still own the business, you don't have to do everything, right? You got to start taking those hats off and get to a spot where, you know, you can go on a vacation for a few weeks and really actually truly not answer text or emails, right? Um, that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't do, right? They, yeah. they feel like, no, this, this kind of revolves around me. I'm the center of the universe. I want to be, I want to feel important, but it's kind of shooting yourself in the foot in the long run. Yeah, right. It's one of those things where, I mean, we kind of, I don't know if it's an ego thing, but it's kind of feels nice to feel needed and important and a part of the machine that you've built. But it's that same feeling that you need to fight against when it comes to making these future buyers feel comfortable that you're not the complete linchpin to your entire organization. And you bounce, everyone's bouncing for culture and for other reasons. And then that thing they just paid millions for is now just walked out the door. Yeah. I mean, I, I can totally see you want to just make them feel it's all good. It's not me. It's these other people start pointing to them. And then you can start having those bigger and bigger vacations and you realize I'm, I'm really not necessary here. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, you're necessary to some stuff, but you're not. Or like, to grow it. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and because those are the things that, you know, equal earn out, right? If, if, if the world revolves around the owner, they're going to want the owner to stay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Back to the earn out, right? Exactly. Right. One big, one big happy circle. Well, t- tell me, man, when you were, when you're running that, even now, um, what are the different ways? Cause you know, you hear the whole, it's lonely at the top and yeah, it kind of is, uh, because you're, you're leading when you're a leader, are, are there certain things you do in places you go? How do you connect? How do you stay connected and, and avoid that isolation that can happen when you're in like a leadership position? Yeah. So I was very fortunate, um, that the year that I started my business, which was 2009, which was, uh, you know, the mortgage crisis. So that was great timing, right? Oh, yeah. um, so nice. the year I started my business, I stumbled across uh, EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization. Um, really, all I was doing, I was going on on LinkedIn and joining all the all the groups I could think of. And this one said Entrepreneurs Organization. I'm like, sure. And uh, then I got like a phone call and an email back. They're like, yeah, this is kind of a private club. Who are you? What are you doing? Um, and my business was too small at the time. Yep. And I got introduced to EO Accelerator, which is for businesses that are over 250,000 in revenue, but still under a million, you got to be over a million to get into EO. And it's just an amazing network of people. Um, so, you know, everybody's a business owner, an entrepreneur, you're experience sharing, you're learning things like all the stuff that I was just rambling about burnouts and this and that I learned through EO through either speakers or, or, or firsthand experience sharing. Um, I learned so much about, business. I learned that I was an entrepreneur first off, right? I was an IT guy until I got to an EO, into EO Accelerator. And then a few years in, I was like, wait a minute, I'm an entrepreneur. 
right? Uh, and not just like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur because I own a business. I'm like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. It's my job to like figure stuff out and new business models and run a company and hire people and not just fix computers all the time. So there's a little transition there. But yeah, EO, can't say enough good things about it. Accelerator was fantastic. So I'm a proud Accelerator graduate. Uh, and I've been in, in EO Boston proper for 10 years now. Man, and the, the, the grades are showing, you know, just yeah, dude. been in for a while, man. Um, that Accelerator is such a great program. I didn't know about it when I first, um, I found out about EO as well when I definitely didn't qualify for it. And what, it wasn't until like, you know, fast forward later on when I finally did. And I, I applied even before I completely qualified, you know, fake it till you make it. Um, but got it in there somehow. Um, but yeah, Accelerate is a great program for, for people. So you, is, that's 250 to 1 million. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, entrepreneur boot camp. you know, yeah. um, there's these quarterly all day workshops, um, along with the monthly meetings that you have with your smaller group, but the quarterly workshops when I first started was amazing. Right. And it helps you with the, the whole concept of work on your business instead of in your business, right? Yeah. So you're under a million, you're probably working in your business. You're in services, you're probably billing you know, time too. You're earning money, you're delivering service. And it was that one day, a quarter where I came out, made some space to actually think about the business and then have folks actually tell me kind of what I'm supposed to be thinking about, right? Absolutely. So like, you know, finance day, like my first finance day, I remember being totally intimidated, overwhelmed, um, you know, thought I was a chump, uh, but then there's, you know, they're pulling the group, you know, who's this, who's that, who's done this. And somebody's like, uh, who here has the, has no debt. And I raised my hand. I was like the only one in the room that raised it there. I'm like, sweet. I'm doing something right. Right. I didn't answer any of the other questions, but, um, well, that was cause I didn't know anything about lines of credit and small business loans and anything like that. Um, so, and, and I was fortunate I didn't need debt, but uh, I remember walking out of that that first fi- finance money day and uh, saying to myself in the car ride home, well, I bought that license of QuickBooks. It's probably time to install that software when I get home and uh, and go set it up because they asked me for a copy of this thing called a P&L and I don't even know what the hell that is. <laughs> You're like, the pill? What? The, what yeah, is this? Actually, P&L, I knew it was balance sheet. I was like, balance sheet? I don't know. I was a P&L manager before, but I never dealt with the balance sheet because that was, you know, the, the money stuff. Um when I was an employee in my job before that, but yeah, yeah. I, can't, I could go on and on and on about accelerator. Fantastic program. Well, and then get you into EO, which yeah. is also a fantastic organization. Booyah. Um, I've even found what, even once you're in EO, the accelerator events are, uh, you, you, I still don't know everything for sure about almost anything. And going to those events is just a great reminder of what I probably used to know and a great fill in the gaps for the things that I probably should still know. Uh, yeah. And I just love, I love the energy of, you know, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm down with the startups. Like when I, I started my company, my IT company, G2, um, I had left the company I was at before really. So I could get focused on, you know, who I wanted to work with. Right. Yeah. Cause I like working with tech startups and I love working with startups. I've gone and graduated into EO proper or what have you, but I still like working with accelerators cause they're, they're still in the trenches. Right. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're leading, they're leading the, uh, the, the charge and also, you know, part of the charge at the same time. So it's good Absolutely. energy. Absolutely, man. I love that energy. GSE has some great energy too. Man, I, I, it's just you and me here, right? It's just us, just a few, just you and me. I love the pry a little bit. Uh, you said something really interesting and I feel like I can relate to it. And I wanted to learn more about it. It, you talked about when you were joining EO, you had this sort of a realization, maybe it wasn't a snap of the finger, but sort of slowly but steadily realizing, yeah, you, you were an IT guy, but you're not really an IT guy, at least anymore. You're an entrepreneur and what that actually meant. And could you talk about that transformation? Or I, I don't know if it was magical for you, but the idea yeah. like, I'm, I'm not really doing code. I'm not really doing IT anymore. I'm actually this other creature. What is that creature? You know? Yeah, no, I remember it very vividly, man. I was sitting in there in one of the quarterly learning days and um, I was really riffing off of, you know, the, the first two books that I ever read business books. The first one was Built to Sell and the second one was uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. And that one's about, you know, differentiating your business, you know, and, and getting into what the author calls a blue ocean where the red ocean is where there's a bunch of sharks in the water and a bunch of blood in the water. And, you know, I was in a very commoditized business space. I was an outsourced, you know, small business IT. 
You know, I could throw a stone on my office window in Boston and hit 25 other, you know, IT MSPs. Uh, we're all fighting for the same customers and fighting for each other's customers. That's when I started to realize, oh, I should pivot to this thing called cloud services and became an Amazon partner. But while I was thinking about that, I was like, this has nothing to do with actually setting up computers anymore and 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 helping people with their email and things like that. And that I was thinking about how much effort and how much time it was going to take to execute this, you know, crazy scheme I just came up with of yeah. you know, being an Amazon cloud partner, or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, a senior network engineer anymore. Uh, you know, I, I am sometimes, you know, at nighttime I am, but uh, I'm this thing called an entrepreneur. I've got to come up with a strategy that takes our business to the next place. I've got to think about why I want to do that. I want to think about pricing. I got to think about how I'm going to find the talent to do that. Um, I got to think about, you know, coming up with a snappy marketing branding name for something. All these things that I had learned in Accelerator along the way, I realized there's nobody in my business but me that I can actually hand that off to. Yeah. That's like, I've got to do it. And if I'm doing that, I can't be a senior network engineer, you know, setting up a server in, you know, somebody's server room on Saturday night anymore. I got to be that guy making a proposal template, staying up till one in the morning while that other guy is still in there. You know, I still got to still be in the trenches, but I'm doing something I never thought I would do before. I started my company because I was really good with computers and I didn't like people telling me what to do. Right. That was the extent of my entrepreneur understanding. It's like, well, if I own the company, I'll be the boss. Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Then. I realized, hey, if I want to get past this, you know, sort of, you know, and I mean this, in, I don't mean this in a bad way, mom and pop shop, lifestyle business, whatever you want to call it, um, to the next level, which is something I did want to do. I've got to really embrace this thing called entrepreneurship and and be a visionary and, and make things go to the next level. And, uh, you know, definitely not to knock the level before, you know, interesting fact before I really made that jump, uh, I think I made the most money in one year before I did that, right? We made right. great amounts of net profit, but I was also billing myself and paying myself and you didn't get to this next level of overhead where you hit the ceiling and you go through. From there on, you know, I paid myself you know, a good salary, but I didn't really get that big payout until I sold my business. Um, I was a bit of a gambler that way. Some folks like to, to do more payouts as they go. Right. And also the, the businesses aren't necessarily worth as much in, the, in an exit sale. Um, if you're in professional services and there isn't really a way to productize your service and it's just you know difficult. I was in a tech space, right? So yeah. tech space is, was hot, hot, hot by design. I was in the hot, hot, hot space and it worked out. But I was putting all the money back in the business to, to grow it and grow it and grow it. If I didn't, it would go on my bank account, but then the business wouldn't grow and then I wouldn't be able to sell it for as much down the road. So um, yeah, a bit of a tangent there, but no, that's, good, that's, man. that's, that's good. the way, that's the way that went. Yeah. It was, I remember, I remember the day. You remember, the, so you actually remember the day where you had that realization of just yeah, like, I, was sitting I can't the, be the network engineer anymore. Yeah. I was sitting in a, a learning day uh, at the, we were having at the house of blues foundation room in Boston. I believe uh, my, my good friend Todd smart was the, the uh, accelerator implementer from Chicago. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh shit, this sounds exciting. But now I got to go home and tell my wife and business partner that I got to do all this other stuff. <laughs> right. But I think, I think you deciding that and being okay with it and, and then having to go learn brand new skills where you're a noob, you know, you're not, you're not the pro network engineer that can kind of smell something wrong with the server. It's like, you have no idea. You got to kind of learn from scratch, but that humility to go after that and to transition to that entrepreneur role, I think that's what that's what gets you out of that, right? That's how you get out of that mom and pop, if you want to call it that, or just where you're you're so tied to the business, you can't take a vacation. Right, right. And, yeah. you know, and depending on the business and depending on the person, that might be the way they want to go. Um, right. But yeah, but yeah, you know, it's a risk. Uh, entrepreneurship is a risk and reward system, right? So that's it. Bunch of risky people having a good time. <laughs> Join it now, eoboston.org. Hey, what's up? Um, got a fun question for you. Uh, if there was one question you'd love to know the answer from hundreds of other CEOs, what would it be? Ooh, I don't really know, man. That that is a tough one. That is a tough one because I tried to do my research and find answers to all these questions. 
Cause you, um, you know, you're the coach now, you know, these, yeah, things. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know you were, you were going to, you were going to ask me this and I, I just, <laughs> I, I just came up. I'm kind of coming up empty. I mean, putting you on the spot. You're putting me on the spot. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I can make you. something up, dude, but I, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be honest. Wouldn't be. Yeah. 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 Well, I, here, here's my next question actually, um, which is probably easier. Cause I, you seem like you got tons of energy and you got some things going on that are worth talking about. What excites you about the future right now? What's coming around the bend? What do you, what are you seeing where uh, there, there's something that's it's either, either here now or it's about to be here in the future, whether it's in business or, or life or whatnot that you're excited about? Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of excited about the climate, you know, the entrepreneurial climate. Um, I think that the next generation uh, of, of, of the workforce is more entrepreneurial, you know, definitely the millennial generation is turning out to be that way generation behind them as well. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's increased, you know, generation over generation, right? Like, I don't, I don't know anybody who's got a pension plan anymore. It doesn't work for the federal government. Right. And like right. My parents' generation, everybody worked at, you know, everybody Pratt Whitney or whatever, or, you know, yeah. GE. And then, you know, it's kind of a, a fend for, for yourself sort of environment these days. And I think people are realizing that and are jumping on it. The other thing is, um, you know, if, if there's some silver lining to be, to be had from the pandemic, it's that it just really broke the mold on the way yeah. people do business, right? Like, I remember we did video conferencing. I was big into video conferencing and Zoom before the pandemic. You know, we had some work from home stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I would get on with, uh, with vendors, specifically folks who, you know, I was more friendly with at Amazon web services and they had this, like, I don't turn my camera on culture. And I yeah, would just I remember throw, that. Remember the I weirdos just, that wouldn't turn them on or the ones yeah. that would when no one else did. Yeah. You had kind of, yeah, those, those folks were, that was me, Dick, but, um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so like, and that's gone now, right? It's like, you right. can't be like, well, we just don't do that. It's like, no, everybody does it now. And if you don't, then you're a real asshole. Yeah. Um, I had a call today and, and the guy wasn't sharing videos. So I was like, hey, we're hopping on video, right? He's like, oh yeah, we can do that. I'm like, good. Because otherwise you're staring at me, talking at me and I'm not seeing you. That's kind of weird. Yeah. It's a courtesy thing at this point. It's kind of yeah. like, you know. You know it it makes it better though. It, it makes it way better. Like me oh, yeah. you on the Zoom call right now. Way better be than like, you just talking to a phone. Yeah, if you were having, co- it would be like equivalent if you were having coffee with somebody, like, and you went, yeah, and first time having coffee, and they didn't shake your hand. You'd be like, or whatever. You, are you drinking anything right now? A little whiskey there? No, just just just, I, I, just a little agua, a little water, and diet Dr Pepper over here. Yeah, right on. But yeah, the way that the COVID's broke the mold on the way people are doing business for interacting. You know, yeah. there's a different life inside of things like LinkedIn and stuff. It's not just um, weird, aggressive social network for salespeople. There's some other people in there now too, which is cool. Um, They're still there, right? They're still there. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of excited about how that mold was broken. And I think new types of business models can now emerge and take, take flight a little bit quicker because they're kind of dependent on people embracing that tech. I'm mean, do my mom can zoom now, right? Like, yeah, like, like everybody can, can zoom or Google meet or whatever. Um, I mean, there's still those, still those WebEx folks out there though. I mean, God, you know. get out of there. People get out of there. Your yeah. building is burning. Get out of WebEx, you know, even go to meeting, <laughs> you know, come on, join the zoom party. There's a reason why it actually works, works well, but, but I don't know. Google meetup, man. I mean, you're freaking Google and you can't make a better meeting platform. Yeah. Kill them. Kill them. Tough. But yeah. So yeah, I'm excited about just sort of the mold being broken there for technology mm-hmm. and then, and then technology being embraced in other industries that were, you know, that were very rigid. Yeah. Like uh, a friend of mine, um, he, he's, uh, you know, very well known in, in the gymnastics field. He's a gymnastics coach. He has been for years. Um, Gymnastics is, you know, one of those things, you know, very, you know, competitive gymnastics. You you eventually get to like the international Olympic committee, right? Like one of the oldest, staunchest, bullshit, rigidest organizations in the world. Right. So you got to do everything the same way. We do competitions the same way and you got to enter them and you got to show up at the blah, blah, blah. Boom. COVID comes, blows that up. And he creates, fantasy gymnastics league and creates a way for, for kids uh, who, you know, are, you know, really active in the programs or their gyms to start competing with each other, you know, online. Uh, And I hope, and I think that that type of innovation in that space will now stay. Right. But if you try to introduce that 
while everything was, you know, quote, fine, um, if, you know, those, those industries are like, we do it the way that we do it. And it's the way that we've always done it. And we're never going to do it any different. I think, I think the pandemic has actually been able to smash some of those norms and some real innovation will now permeate into some of those old school, old school methodologies and old school uh, industries. Uh, unbelievable. I, I'm with you, man. I'm stoked about the innovation, the idea of a fantasy gymnastic league. That's, that's beautiful, man. You record it, show us what you did. I love that. Yeah. You're, you're right. You're, you're breaking the molds. They needed to be broken. It would have been great to not have to have all the costs associated with it, but at least we got some silver lining to your point. Um, beautiful stuff. I, I love the transition now because I, we've, we've worked together in EO, the EO board. Um, any, of, any of those listening that are members, I highly recommend you check out the board because it's just another way to uh, really enriches your experience, you know, and it, it's also like a, your own, it's like a second forum. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I joined the board right away. Uh, when I, when I, I was, you know, an accelerator actually now, uh, now they don't really have accelerators do that, but I, I ran the accelerator program while I was in it in Boston, but it was amazing. You know, I got to go, um, not only like meet that group of, of leaders, um, but also then go to the global leadership conference, GLC and meet folks from all over the world. You know, I've never met that many people from all over the world. I'm from, you know, some little town in Connecticut (laughs) <laughs> and then, you know, I was out in, you know, Amherst, Mass, which, you know, is, is still out in the great state of New England, eventually I moved to Boston, but like, I mean, all over the world, like, yeah, and yeah. very, you know, outgoing, I'm going to talk to you people. Um, so I have great friends now that live all over the world. And I talk to them all the time on WhatsApp and other platforms. Um, and, uh, you know, it can be a lot of work, like, you know, you mentioned the the learning chair role I'm doing now. I've never done that before. It's definitely a heavier lift, but it's yeah. fun because I get to plan all the events and, you know, I got some say over who we bring in and what do we do? Um, but somebody recently asked me, Hey Glenn, you've been on the board plenty of times, you know, sounds like a lot of work right now for you. Why are you doing it? Uh, and what I told him was because it, one of the biggest, most important things of that for me is uh, learning how to play nice in the sandbox with other entrepreneurs, right? When you're the boss of the, your world, the king of your kingdom or queen of your kingdom, you can pretty much do whatever the hell you want and behave however you want and what ha- whatever. But everybody's equal and everybody's a business owner and everybody's a leader. So really that whole leader of leaders things and... Um, for, for me, I know personally, in my personality, uh, it's, it's good and healthy for me to be in that sandbox and play nice and, and learn from that experience and, and not just do my own thing. And it's, it's resulted in a tremendous amount of personal growth for me too over the last 10, 15 years, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so it's not just learning about business and growing your business and selling stuff and selling your businesses. Um, you know, there's a lot of strong personalities in EO and yeah, put them all together. And you're kind of like, feel like, you're, you know, you're playing in the pros with the other pro, right? You, <laughs> yeah. know, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, wow, yeah. the competition is good, man. We're, 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 we're doing it, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm dueling with the pro here. So, yeah, I've, I've picked up a lot of you know, learning about myself. And you even mentioned this, you know, that positional leadership where you have to listen to me versus the influential kind of leadership where, no one has to listen to anyone because we're all CEOs, but how can we work together? You know, it's almost like different countries. It's like the little United nations of, of companies where we're all just trying to collaborate and work together. We could all tell each other to screw, but in some reason or, or another, we don't, we all collaborate and it's actually really good, really good stuff. Um, I want to transition real quick. I, I, I love the no more value because we, we've hung out, we've, we've been at all these events together, but I'm really dying to know who are you, man? Who are you? Can you take me back in time? Like little Glenn days, did you know you're going to be an entrepreneur one day and, and talking on podcasts about exits and, and all that kind of good stuff? Uh, not really, but it makes sense when I look back. Really? Um, I was definitely always the ringleader of a lot of things. Um, so yeah, back, you know, back in the day, I, you know, was, and still am, you know, I was a young metalhead man, you know? So yeah, roll going to concerts. Uh, I would be the the guy who organized buying concert tickets and, you know, for the kids out there today, that meant like, you know, finding out from a newspaper that it was going to happen, right? Right. For starters, 
Right. And then having somebody run defense in front of the principal's office, because that's where the pay phone was. Okay. It's a pay phone where you, you had to put money in, right. And you're not supposed to use it during school hours, but tickets go on sale at 10. Right. So, and then having somebody else get a credit card, which is hard, right? You guys now don't even know, you don't carry real money at all. Back then it was like one of 10 of us was able to get a parent's credit card, right? No parents giving their Um, kid a credit card. Hell no. Yeah. So I would kind of be the the ringleader and orchestrator of all that. And it kind of is, you know, a lot like running a business in that sort of sense. Like, Hey, I can't tell my friends what to do. I, you know, we got to persuasively like, all right, we're going to do this. You're going to do that. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this job. We're going to do that job. It's going to be awesome. We're going to go rock and roll. Um, and then, yeah. yeah so when I went to, to uh, UMass Amherst, I uh, eventually started doing a lot of stuff in concert production. I wanted to be like a concert pro- promoter. Oh, wow. Uh, and then you I have long hair. Out, I mean, you got the short hair going on right now. Dude. Was it like, Oh yeah, long? dude. I had the full on grunge rock Seattle stuff going down the shoulders. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, was it, did you color it any or is it like normal? Oh, color? yeah. It was red and yeah, red. Yeah. Red. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we need more to get of a maroon. Photo. Yeah. We need to get that photo for your cover for this episode. Yeah, more of a darker maroon thing, not like a bright <laughs> red, you know, but oh, yeah. Yeah. That stuff. Wow. Um, and then I was also always good with computers. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, doing computer stuff on the side to make money. I started a little, my, one of my first businesses I, was Dr. Evil's computer repair. Just put a flyers around UMass. And, that's what you uh, called it? Yeah, it was right after Austin Powers came out. So oh, it was that's good awesome. marketing, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I would, you know, get paid 50 bucks to hook computers up to the school, the campus network. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I kept trying to do that concert stuff and uh, realized it was going to be a long road. And somebody was like, why don't you get a job with computers? You're really good at that. I'm like, fine, I'll do that. Uh, and ended up joining uh, dot com and moving out to Boston. And from there, it just kind of kind of grew. History. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. grew. So um, but yeah, the entrepreneurship thing, um, you know, in hindsight, definitely can see how where where it developed from. But, uh, you know, I wasn't one of those folks that, you know, yeah, you know, I sold some candy and some soda on the ski club bus ride, you know, things like that. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't I wasn't one of those uh, stories you hear of where it was like at age seven, you know, started a. <laughs> you know twitter or whatever right <laughs> right we having fun you're having fun doing your thing and and then you're able to line up these these business ventures with what you loved yeah wow now hypothetical question i may or may not have a time machine with me here in nashua new hampshire um it, it sometimes when back. i go to new hampshire it feels like a time machine it, man sometimes it does <laughs> sometimes it does uh the future i'm sure right uh so <laughs> Outback covered by a tarp is the time machine. You get a chance to use it. You know, COVID's all sad. We got some vaccines. We're feeling good. You come over, we get some lobster and we use the time machine. You get to go back and the, the time machine's special. It goes back in time to the day you started your company, the one that you eventually sold. Um, it, you get to go back and meet yourself and you have to worry about messing up timelines. It's all good. It's been pre-cleared with the time cops. You get a chance to talk to yourself and, and have a conversation. What kind of things would you say? What kind of advice recommendations would you tell yourself? Does this time machine happen to be shaped like a phone booth by any chance? I just uh, want to know. Bill, it may be. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would say, dude, get in this time machine. We got to go back to uh, even further self, uh, Excellent. older self, uh, and, and tell us to start a business sooner. That's Sandemus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to go further back in time. Um, get on this, get on this horse earlier. That's that's yeah. That's so so the, really, so the advice was do this sooner. Yeah, figure it out. I mean, think of a plan to do it. It's going to be awesome. Like I, I, I try to talk everybody I can who I think has the spark into entrepreneurship and starting their own business. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's, there are different ways, I guess, in, you know, American society to get ahead. I think it's one of the very few, if not the only one that you can really take into your own hands and make happen. Right. Um, you could be born into wealth and you could do other things, but, um, you know, it's like, it's like, People are like, oh man, it's like you won the lottery. Like, no, it's more like I worked really hard to make a lotto ticket that was right. going to win, right? You, I wasn't just playing the lotto, man. That the, the statistics are stacked against you. If you 
entrepreneurship can really help you get ahead and give you a whole lot of freedom in your life that, you know, you may not have otherwise, um, which I'm really enjoying, right? I don't want to have a boss. Um, you know, I've got some bosses in my life. They live in my house, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? But um, I mean, it's, it's a great way to really change your life and empower um, yourself to really make your own destiny and do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I would love to have started earlier in hindsight. And I've met other entrepreneurs that were so excited for me when I started that were like, man, I wish I started when I was your age. You know, this yeah. is when I was like, you know, 30 or 30, you know, 31, 32. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to somebody who's like 45 or 50 who just started their first business. I, I heard a statistic recently. I can't remember the exact age, but it's like the average age of an entrepreneur starting their first business was in their 50s or maybe even 60s. It was like really shocking to me that most folks, it's it's much later in life, which makes sense, right? You go through a good career, save a bunch of money, get yeah. to a more comfortable position, right? You know, starting a business is a huge risk. Yeah. Kids are um, out of the house. You don't really have that much costs. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I was very lucky to be able to really kind of get a lot of those phases out of the way while my kids were still really young. Yeah. Um, you know, I missed a whole lot of family dinners and I missed a whole lot of apple pickings on, you know, uh, Columbus day, right. All those Monday holidays. I was pretty much, Oh dude, an extra day to catch up and work you too. Right. Work. Yeah. That, that seems to be a thing. I, I find it like, Oh, it's great. Nobody's emailing me today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got so done. much done. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I had to put a limit on that for myself. I'm like, I'm not doing it forever. And, uh, right. but I'm not doing it now. You know, now it's like, Nope, not even going to happen. Um, right. uh, you know, love being a dad. I got two young boys or, you know, eight and eight and 11 and a half. Um, so, uh, we go out there and, and rock and roll together. So, hell yeah. So yeah, I would, I would go back and tell myself, figure out how to start earlier or position yourself to start and grow more rapidly and faster, but yeah, don't waste any time. Get after it. Love that, man. Well, tell me about this thing. I, I can't let you get out of here without telling me about the one wheel. Mm. Is it what is this like a unicycle? What I hear you, you no, it's not like a unicycle, dude. It's a one wheel, a one wheel. It's more like oh, I Google it. It's 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 more like an electric skateboard or an electric snowboard. You stand on it like a snowboard, you don't stand on it like a unicycle. Um, and it's pretty awesome. So, it, it uh, when I was a kid, I was uh, you know, a metal head, but I was also a skate punk. Um, but I was never really that good at skateboarding, but you know, I did it. Um, and, uh, now I'm too old to skateboard. I'll break something, but these things are awesome. It's kind of like got that Segway feel, you know, and it, it, you, it has brakes. Do you right? not, do you not break yourself as easily on this thing? I mean, it depends on what you're doing. You know, I, um, you know, if you're riding around on pavement at 20 miles an hour with no helmet, yeah, sure. You can break yourself on that thing. Um, but it doesn't slip out from under you like a skateboard does. If I got a skateboard now, it's like, whoop, you know? Yeah, um, that's a good point. But they're fun, man. They're awesome. It was actually the first thing I bought when I sold my business. I had been wanting to buy them for like a year, year and a half. And I had the cart full and I literally got off the phone with the lawyers and the deal closed. And I was like, bye now. Yes. So that was Congratulations. Right on. What, what kind do you right have? What's that? What kind do you have? I have a one, one wheel XR. Actually, I've got a couple. I got a couple. I got the pine. Is that your favorite? The XR? Yeah, it's bigger, meaner. Um, it's blue. Yeah. I have cool blue. Oh no, man! I you know you gotta you gotta style it up. You gotta go you to the aftermarket pages and buy the different color grip tape and like mine's like a blue reflective camouflage. And oh, actually, man. my two one wheel XRs are named Beavis and Butthead, and they have <laughs> a big Beavis sticker on one and a big Butthead sticker on the other one. And you know, it's all it all goes back in time, right? Absolutely. Bill and Ted, Beavis and Butthead, Wayne and Garth. That's it, man. This is a throwback Thursday episode yeah, on a dude. Tuesday. Like that's that's my jam right there. Like, dude, if, the, if those things didn't exist, there was no Bill and Ted. None of those wonderful things would really. Neither happen. of us would be here right now without. Right. It. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it looks like this thing has a, a range from twelve to eighteen. Do you ride it to work? I guess works uh, at home now. I work at home, man. Yeah. No, I ride around in the woods. I'm more of a trail guy. You can go on the trails of this thing. Oh yeah, man. I go, I'm more off-road. Um, and my kid, well, not fun of me, but like my dad's, my, my kid's like, dad, why are you, why are you always wearing elbow pads, knee pads and helmet? Cause I'm always like, you need to put this on blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cause son, when you're over 40 and you fall down and you get hurt, it stays that way. So 
It's permanent. Yeah, it's permanent. It's permanent. So I make him wear a helmet and at least wrist guards, but he's always trying to sneak out without uh, elbow and knee pads. <laughs> Dad, I don't need this. Hey, I had a lot of bloody knees when I was your age, so enjoy, kid. But right. uh, don't when you're on your own head. insurance. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I want to break your head or your wrist. We've learned concussions are bad. Uh, Man, I'm watching this guy go up and down a, a hill in the woods, up like roots and everything. And just yeah, dude, shredding our bro. Hell, one guy's on the beach. Man, this looks pretty sick. Keeps you young, right? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's for aging hipsters. Yeah, I mean, yep. my, my buddy Derek, uh, DJ Derek Hickson, aka Mint Pillow. Uh, we grab a couple of these boards and go off in the woods and uh, listen to some Wu Tang and shred the gnar and have a good time. And and our wives shake their heads at us <laughs> when we come back in. We're like, yeah, we're so cool. Yeah. Shout out to the DJ. Right on, yeah. man. Good stuff. Well, dude, where where can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Is LinkedIn good? What are some URLs for the coaching? And yeah, yeah kind of throw some details definitely, at us. Definitely hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm on there all the time. And then, yeah, my website is uh, selfassembled.com. All right. Well, what kind of coaching? Is this like, like CEO coaching, like business coaching? or CEO, business coaching. Um, yeah, it's all business owners that I work with. Uh, folks that are trying to get in increase the value of their company, get some more freedom from their company. If they're sort of the center of the universe, helping them break out from that, put the basic pieces in place to start to do that, build a leadership team, get a scorecard in place, figure out, you know, a sales process, like, and, you know, starting with the basics, right? I'm not a Sandler sales trainer, right? I'm like, I'm going to help you do it. And I like to use crayon and fifth grade math, right? Yeah. I'm going to give you this huge thing that's going to be a big pain in your ass. I'm like, I'm actually going to teach you how to hotwire it. So the CEO, business owner, who's the center of the universe, can try to get out of it over time. But realistically, it's like, well, you're going to have to hire this salesperson. They're not going to crush it all without you. So how do we make this work? And so it's very much geared towards entrepreneurs that are are growing, um, growing their companies or have grown their companies and want to make sure that all those pieces are in place to avoid an earnout. Yeah. So, I'm seeing right here coaching for self-made entrepreneurs who want freedom from their business, which is like what we talked about today. Bam. Boom. Full circle back to the beginning. Dude, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I don't know if you look at the clock time, just like warped by. Uh, this yeah, has been this awesome, fun, man. I mean, I want to thank you, Mr. Casey, for putting this together. Yeah. Uh, getting EO Boston members in. I can't wait to, uh, to see and listen to all the great conversations you've had with uh with our members and and then more so yeah it's good it, kudos to you man. man i know there's a lot of work so no it's you man no you no, no, it's you man <laughs> well that's it everyone um man this has been great if you know if you're listening to this and you learn something definitely share this with someone else that'll make you a thought leader with one person 30 people 200 just get this information out to people so that they can also, especially if you know some entrepreneurs in your forum and your chapter, if you're not an EO, you should get in there. But if you know some people that are in that mode, they're starting to think about how to get free from the, the business, you know, reach out to Glenn and get some coaching or definitely, you know, start thinking about that exit and all the things we talked about today. This is fantastic stuff. Thanks to Glenn. Uh, thanks again, Glenn. This has been super fun. Thanks, Casey. Take care. All right, man. Thanks, everyone. Hey, we'll see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston Chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.